Uh, no, not be putting him up here. All right, we rolling five, four, three, two, one. What's going on, Kimfo? Welcome back. Welcome back. Key to the City Podcast. You know who it is. It's your country cousin, Yoni. And we are back with episode 25, which I really think I'm going to change to episode 28 because uh, I've been rolling. Y'all don't need to know about that. But anyway, Thank you for everybody that's been supporting the podcast, following, liking, sharing, whatever you've been doing, spreading by word of mouth. I appreciate it, man. You didn't have to do it, but you did. And we're going to continue to provide you with quality content and quality guests. I want to thank my last few guests that I had. Uh, we had a bunch of artists in here. We had Taliban Vinci. We had 808 The Bass, who's overcome uh, a muscle disease, man, and bounced back. He's at full strength. <clears throat> we had... Lee Vance, Northside Lee, man, the owner of Josephine's uh, in Jackson, Mississippi. They're doing their thing, cooking up. And uh, D-O-N-O Vegas, one of the hottest artists in the street right now. So just like with them, today's guest is no different. Quality content, quality guest. And I'm proud and honored to have this queen on the platform with me. I've uh, been knowing her for a while, and I just as well as the founder and CEO of In Charge Career Consultant LLC and Auxitions LLC, both doubly minority owned, based out of Dallas, Texas. That's right. She's doing her thing down there with them cowboys. Uh, her company's mission is to provoke, empower, and educate women to take charge of their ambitions as corporate leaders and entrepreneurs, which we need more of. Our queens are growing. Uh, that's why some of you dudes can't find a woman because they pass you up. You need to step <laughs> game because <laughs> they own it, I swear. <laughs> but, uh, you know, her journey includes experience as a principal staffing consultant, corporate talent acquisition advisor, and human capital strategist to hundreds of business managers and executives of some of the most well-known, privately owned, and publicly held corporations. So she out here doing her thing. We're going to find out more about her background. I want to pick her brain about uh, Black women in corporate America today. Uh, we may even speak about uh, Miss Brianna Taylor a little bit uh, and just how our Black women are treated overall. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the city. Miss Meredith Ward, what's going on, Queen? Hey, 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 King. How's it going? Thank you for inviting me onto your show. You know I'm super excited. <laughs> I'm glad to have you, man. It kind of feels like life coming full circle almost for me. Just mm. to uh, see that the growth that you had, which I, I'm not surprised because you've always been uh, a very straightforward and headstrong young lady. So I love to see you shining. I love to see you glowing. How your day been? My day has been amazing. It has been good so far. I know people are just like, it's only 10 o'clock. I wake up at about five or six every day. So, so far, it's been pretty good. It's been calm. I've been able to get everything in order. My dog mm -hmm. is right on my side right now. I want me to pick him up. So. What's your dog's name? Kujo. With what up, Kujo? <laughs> <laughs> Probably wouldn't hurt nothing. Uh, so... It's been a minute since we caught up. Um, I don't think I've seen you since high school. So I kind of want to like catch up with your journey. Where'd you go to school? Uh, 
where'd you start your professional background? Um, you don't necessarily have to list a, a name, a corporation, but just give me a little insight. What's been going on with you since then? Well, since you, I'll just start here. Um, for those of you who don't know, Keanu and I, we met at Terry High School. Um, and when you all met me, believe it or not, I was just now transferring to the district. So I grew up in Jacksonville, mm. over in the Queens, off Black okay. Chapel, Northside Drive. Never so when that. I came to Terry, I was a new girl on the block. Uh, little did I know that I had most of the, the Black community there, because I think the school is, is all Black now. And at the time, we were 20% Black. Like, but most of the right. Black community there was related to me. And so I was like, I got a school full of cousins here and everybody. I enjoyed it. But I was just transferring into that district. Um, now, as far as my growth in my career, and that started off at a company called The Limited Brands, which is an umbrella or used to be an umbrella company for Victoria's Secret, um, The Limited, um, the, I think, White Barn Castle uh, Candle Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started there several years ago while I was still at university, um, which was at Jackson State. And they introduced me into the human resource world. And ever since then, I've been hooked. I've been stuck on it. Um, I got a chance to intern with them. And before I left, they offered me a full-time position. But with the caveat, they said, well, if you take this position, you have to move to Ohio. So I wasn't going to move to Ohio. (laughs) Um, I said, I'll take my chances in Texas. And so I ended up here in Texas and I've been here now a little over 13 years. Um, I graduated university a long time ago, like way longer than that. But I stuck with that company for a while, um, either while I was in school and after graduating. And then I finally moved here. And this is where my career actually took off. Um, You know, I, I stayed in staffing. And then I went to corporate recruiting. I was a human strategist uh, while in HR. I worked with a lot of uh, senior directors and leaders uh, from top organizations throughout the U.S. and also internationally. Mm -hmm. Um, I got experience traveling with my organizations while working with them. And then eventually I got laid off. (laughs) Mm. Um, And so that is what changed my mindset about Staying in corporate America and keeping a corporate job. I loved work that I do. Um, I loved it then. I love it now. Um, but when you get laid off all of a sudden because of a downturn or because you're completing a tr- contract, um, mm-hmm. it changes your mind about things. And so when I went through that experience, I went ahead and went back into corporate America. But I was determined at that time when I went into corporate America um, that I was going to leave. I knew that in taking that next job, I was like, I'm only going to be here for six months. I'm only going to be here a year. Um, unfortunately, I ended up staying three years longer than I expected, but it was a good three years because I think I needed that grounding. Um, and so in that time frame, it allowed me to build up my finances. It allowed me to build up my community or core relationships. It allowed me to really make a strategic plan on how to properly exit the corporate world But at the same time, I became burned out. I became frustrated. You know, I became very passive about my own business because I was focusing on what they wanted me to do and all of their goals and helping them build out their dream and not mine. And so long story short, that's what helped me to pivot into entrepreneurship. That's what helped me to start my staffing company. In fact, um, within the first quarter of leaving and going full time as an entrepreneur, actually left that client, left that company with a client. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned uh, being laid off. 
because I'm sure a lot of us have experienced situations like that. It's just the idea of, to me of somebody literally controlling your destiny, having your livelihood in their hands and they can cut you off at any time. So I understand that mindset. I think I'm right there where you are um, mentally um, as far as our thought process and trying to escape that hold that corporate America has on them. So the laid off that changed your mindset, you had a goal with what you wanted to do. Um, and you left the company with a client. So while you were with the company, were you able to build up like a book of business that people you could reach out to that, you know, that you wouldn't completely be going out there, uh, you know, unassisted where you didn't have any idea who you're going to reach out to first. So how did that help you along the way in establishing those relationships? Well, as a corporate employee, I had already built up my core relationships. And when I refer to core relationships, those are I had an advocate, I had a mentor, I had a coach, and I also had developed relationship with someone who I consider to be somewhat of an adversary um, because that person mm -hmm. used to keep me on my toes because they were very critical of my work. Um, and so with them being so critical, I was able to identify shortcomings or, or where I was blind in certain areas and make the, the adjustment necessary before putting things out or projects out before the board leaders or my boss. So I'd already built those core relationships. But after that, I started having to think of ways to, OK, well, how am I going to go into business? I started to um, identify potential partners, people who could come in and actually help me do the staffing. Um, I started to identify out of the leaders that I was working with who has other businesses outside of this company. And, and lo and behold, at least five of them <laughs> have mm -hmm. other businesses and two of them have been willing to work with me outside of it. Now, I did not sign any kind of non-compete with that company. And so I was good and free to go. But at the same time, I had to do everything under the radar. <laughs> you know, I couldn't mm -hmm. allow them to understand or know that I had another company working in the background already because Many times, even though these corporations these days say, oh, well, we want you to be entrepreneurial. We want you to go after your own dreams because we think it'll add to it. They don't really want you to take your eye off the ball of what they're really doing. Facts. Oh, Facts. yes. I left with uh, a community. I left with a good network of potential clients, of people who could help me prospect, people who could help me build. Um, and I was good to go. Like I said, within that first quarter, my first client coming out of the gate was one of the leaders that I had actually been serving as a corporate mm. person. See, I like that you already had uh, calculated steps prepared because a lot of people that want to go on business, they'll just jump out there with the passion to do it, not knowing that you literally need a blueprint mm -hmm. and a guide to follow uh, to reach success. And I'm glad you mentioned um, having a mentor and an advocate I, I don't think I've ever had that in my professional career. Like, how do you go about finding one? Uh, and what's the benefit of having those people in your corner? That's a really good question. It's one that I get a lot. It's actually um, one of the main things that I speak on when I'm doing virtual and live workshops or the workshops that are face to face is developing those relationships. Advocacy is very important and mentorship. A lot of people think that your advocate is your mentor. It's not the same. It can be. But a mentor is more so of somebody who has actually been where you're trying to be either in your corporate career or in your 
business that you are forming for yourself. Maybe they have already become the um, millionaire that you want to become, or maybe they have already been out there for several years before yourself. They're doing or taking the journey that you want to take. And so you seek that person out as far as an advocate, uh, whether it is in corporate or whether it is an entrepreneurship. This is a person who can speak up for you when you are not in the room. They are a person who has a certain level of influence that you do not have. They're a person who can get you into rooms that you may not have business being in, or you may not actually be able to get into yourself. And so having the advocate was something of importance to me because anytime, you know, being an HR professional, anytime we go to make a decision or put things into place, we have to get the buy-in from leadership. And part of that buying is really having them to trust you and having them to believe in the vision that you set forth. Another thing that an advocate does, especially if you are in the corporate world, is if you are trying to be promoted, if you're trying to get a raise, you know, I know that's a really important one for both men and women, then that Mm -hmm. advocate is the person who can go into the room and say, hey, you know, Keone has been doing a good job for this last quarter, or he has really brought in the results, or they can spotlight you in ways that you may not be able to. They can bring recognition to your work in ways that you will not be able to. And so that is the point of having an advocate. But another thing about an advocate is the fact that it works two ways. You are seeking the advocate, but we also have to be able to advocate for ourselves. We cannot be ambivalent about our businesses or about our careers. We have to actually do everything with intention. And so uh, the point of it is, especially when it comes to women, when we're trying to lift that glass ceiling off of ourselves, we have to make sure that we're putting ourselves out there. We have to make sure that we are Uh, sounding the alarm and ringing or tooting our own horn in a, in a way. Um, And, and speaking up for things that we believe that we deserve, that we believe are right. Um, And there's a way to go about doing it instead of having to, to force the conversation. Mm -hmm. Which is a great uh, segue to my next question. Speaking up, um, voicing your opinions uh, to leadership or to whoever in corporate world, According to Catalyst 2018 report, 58% of black women reported being highly on guard uh, in corporate America in the workplace. Do you believe that it's more difficult for black women to express themselves without facing stereotypical labels? You know, the angry black woman and, you know, all that nonsense. In terms of being able to express ourselves and this is just based off of personal experience and experience that I have witnessed of others. Yes, um, certainly. And that is largely due to the fact that many of us actually live in the bubble or on the line of double consciousness. Mm. And that means that there is always a pressure to hide our authentic selves. And rather than our unique values being celebrated, many of us believe or feel or have actually experienced the weight of having that value shone in one way or another. Um, Mm. Just take into account recently, just recently here in 2020, the Crown Act was just passed in certain areas, not not all over the U.S. Are you familiar Mm -hmm. with the Crown Act? No, educate me. So the Crown Act is basically allowing women to wear their natural hair. And as you know, under this, this is all natural. You know, I got a little natural. A tiny fro going on. (laughs) But when I was in corporate, um, I was natural. I wore my hair out natural, but I have been what is called a naturalista for, I want to say the past at least eight years. I've only been in my business five years. I've been full time uh, now two years, maybe a little over that. I want to say to be safe two years. But in that time frame, I went through the transition of 
learning how to bring my truthful, authentic self into the workplace. And one of the ways that I tested the founders and did that was by allowing myself to wear my natural hair. And at the time I had a big old fro, and my fro stands up, it's not floppy and curly, you know, mm. it's, it's coils. <laughs> so, and so the conversation that you have with yourself with that alone as a black woman coming into the workspace is demonstrative of how you go through the corporate life. Because I really mm. wondered before I made that, it really took me a while. I wondered to myself, how are they going to receive it? You know, if, if, are they going to fire me? Um, am I going to be able to take an interview with this hair? You know, how, how am I going to be perceived? Am I going to be too black for them when I walk through the door? You know, if, if, am I making a mistake? Like literally walking into the doors of the office that day, I was sweating bullets because I didn't know how I was going to be perceived. But then when I walked in, the team that I was working for at the time, they received it quite well. Um, there were a couple of people who had questions. There were people who were just like, oh, my God, it's beautiful. It's amazing. Oh, my God, your hair. I, because at the time I was wearing the long weeds. Mm. And if, when I wore my hair, I had it blown out straight. And so with that alone, yes, we oftentimes do face a barrier with being able to ex express our true selves because of how we've always been deemed, you know, you know, a lot of us are deemed as the angry black woman. When we get to the point of we want to express our thoughts around things that we don't agree with. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the tone of our voice, some of us, I don't have a deeper tone voice, but many of us do have a deeper tone voice and the way that we speak and express our opinions with that tone of voice that can be deemed as angry or aggressive. And so I think it's a real issue, um, but I think we're starting to make some type of headway. We got a long way to go. Yeah, we definitely do. But man, I love a, a strong black woman, a powerful black woman. You know what I'm saying? That's going to put a foot down. But I know some guys, even black men, may be intimidated by that. But I don't see how. But it is what it is. But I'm I not even going to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not pulling me to that rabbit hole right now. Because <laughs> I was thinking about. Uh, this off the subject, but I was thinking about a post you had made the other day, and I said somebody done pissed her off. What? I, what? Like mm, a Just go through your just go through your past posts, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, let's continue to talk about uh black women leadership in the workplace. Uh, not too long ago, Goldman Sachs um uh, they announced that uh they would not help the U.S or any European companies go public unless they uh, kind of diversify like their board of directors. Um, and they uh, basically forced them to do that within 2020 and 2021, uh, which I thought was a good idea. Do you think more companies need to do this or follow this trend in order to uh, mitigate the barriers that prevent that, uh, individuals of diversity from entering the C-suite executives? My answer to that is yes, certainly. That is something that should have been addressed a long time ago. A long time ago, yeah. But the question that I would pose is why is it taking so long when you knew, if you knew that this was an issue, and, and I would think that the answer is yes, they knew. And number two, why is the directive on that initiative so vague? If mm. you listen to what the leader has said about you know, the directive, it is allowing or pushing, basically forcing these companies to diversify their boards by either adding a woman and or a person of color. 
But what that that doesn't mean that black women and black men are going to all of a sudden be given a light. When you say person of color, that can mean <laughs> yeah. anyone. Anybody. So yeah. that, that doesn't mean that the, the board is going to be automatically diversified, diversified with black, Indian, white, Asian, Hispanic. It could mean anything. It doesn't automatically mean that they're going to bring in a woman of color. It could be a man of color. And so I, I believe that it doesn't need to be so vague. I think that they need to go company by company or case by case and figure out who and what they need on those boards. Right. More so, there are several of opportunities for people of color to join or be a part of boards. Being a board member is extremely important. It, it will give us the chance to change the narrative in a colossal way. And the thing about that is we have to be the ones to stick to bringing our true selves into that room or into the rooms that we're in. And also using our voices to speak up on things that we don't agree with. I've been a part of a, a major board and they actually had the drive or have to drive the initiative of diversifying their boards, their, their boards. I was one of those people that they hired on. And mm -hmm. Keone, I was for a while, only the second black woman on the board. And then there was a third black woman. I don't recall there ever being a black man ever brought into the situation. But in that, in that discussion or in that room, I always felt as if I was the only person being real about my thoughts when it came to certain programs they were putting on or, you know, I was just being my authentic self, whereas you still get you still get people who are very much so uh, about the business in the parking lot. But when they step in those doors, it turns off. Mm -hmm. So we can't afford if you're going to be a part of the board, if you're going to take up that space. We as black people in the black community cannot, in my belief, we can't afford for you to be a parking lot. To only be black in the parking lot. Right. Right. Sometimes I wonder, though, how effective is it? It seems like they're forcing companies to uh, put these people in position because of. Everything else being whitewashed, but is it really a productive situation if you're forcing somebody to do something that they may not actually want to do? Uh, it seems kind of like they're not being authentic to me. They're just trying to meet a quota, trying to satisfy. Because I'm sure their shareholders don't give a damn. Here's the thing with that, and here are my thoughts on that. You, that's a really good question also. Yes, I think it is a force. I think it's necessary because that's an opportunity for us to educate. I don't think that we should be doing all of the educating. You know, mm -hmm. it has to go both ways, but it's an opportunity for us to educate. And again, it's an opportunity for us to change the narrative and to use our voices to speak up and to change the way that they think and the way that we are perceived. Um, but we have to be authentic in that space. Um, right now, it's just like, for example, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, that all the companies have been posting hashtag Black, Black Lives yes. Matter. Yes. I think that's forced. Um, I don't think it's for every company, but I think for a lot of these companies out here, especially if your entire board is white or you don't have any women, you don't have any, you know, diversity at all within your company or on your board, then yes, it's forced because it's, it's, a, it's something to say, oh, well, we're not going to miss out on the marketing. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Right. Just think about it. We are an entire movement when it comes to the economy, us as a black people. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, they're going to target us. So in these initiatives, like right now, I spoke with a representative at a major company. Uh, He works for Microsoft. I won't say his name because he's a good person, but he's an older white gentleman. And his thing was, we're doing this uh, diversity, equity and um, inclusion initiative. And, you know, they're working from home. They're all on the Zoom calls together. And the move that they're making right now is to have them discuss their experience with racism. And well, the conversations are being forced. And, mm-hmm. and when you force a conversation like that, of course, you're going to get canned answers. Right. People right. are going, especially in a setting like that, people are going to tell you what they believe you want to hear and what they believe is going to put them in the best light. Mm-hmm. And so you have to go a step further um, with that initiative, whatever that is. I don't know what's going to be for this major company, but I know over the years, uh, DNI, DEI has been something of top of mind because you've got companies who have added diversity groups, which are groups that are centered around sexuality and um, gender and race and age and um, and co- it's just those are culture groups that mm-hmm. anybody can join to exchange ideas, share their views or their thoughts on different things. Um, it's a way to educate everybody within the building. But this thing of, you know, hashtag Black Lives Matter for every corporation out there and having them to have the conversation, it's still a good thing. It's still a good foundation. It's just you have to get past the um, the canned answers because, the, right. I mean, think about it. No one wants to be fired from their job because right. someone will think that they're a racist. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Key to the City podcast. We got the Queen Meredith Ward with us. Uh, and something just popped in my mind. It's a good question for you. Uh, recently, I want to know your thoughts on this. Recently, the CEO of uh, Wells Fargo came under fire with his comments about um, the talent pool for black executives being limited, which is why. Oh, I saw that. Numbers, huh? I saw that mess. Um, (laughs) Go ahead and finish your question so I can fully answer you. (laughs) Get your head together. I'm getting it together. What? What was your question? I I cut you off. I just wanted to know your thoughts on those on his comment. Like, I thought it was total BS. Like, where are you looking for the talent? Mm, You asked the right question. Where are you looking for the talent, and who's doing the search on it? And how diverse is your company already? Right. So I, I think that was that was a crock, uh, <laughs> to say the least. And I think the person who, who rang the alarm on that they should have they should have spoken up about it. I'm glad that they did because there is no limit to black talent out there, mm-hmm. male right. or female. We are women, especially the black women, and I'm not downing my black men, but black women. We are the most educated pool of women out there. Um, we have the experience. The black men have the experience. We're talented. We're creative. We know how to drive initiatives. We're great at leading teams. There's a lot out there that can be said for black people who are coming to the forefront with our talents in these organizations. Um, mm-hmm. That's why I also push for full-time entrepreneurship so much. But yeah. You need to work where and, and do things where your talents are appreciated. Mm-hmm. And just to... Uh... Just a few more questions. Speaking on entrepreneurship and helping women 
or anybody transition from the corporate world to entrepreneurship, what are some of the uh, unnecessary pitfalls that they can avoid? Um, even even if it's something that you experienced during your personal journey, uh, like what are some things that they don't necessarily have to bump their heads? They can learn from you. Here are the thing about entrepreneurship, and I think it's super important. Um, making sure that you engage in partnerships sooner rather than later. That was my mistake. Mm-hmm. And the point of in charge career consulting and the point of me being your career and start a business strategist is to not only teach you through the mistakes that I've witnessed of others, but through my own mistakes from both sides of the hiring desk, meaning my mistakes in the corporate world and my mistakes that I've made as an entrepreneur. But make sure that you seek out, identify and form solid partnerships, whether that is through affiliate partners, um, uh, an equity partnership, whether that is through joint venture partnerships, developing a board. Do that. At the beginning, Mm -hmm. rather than waiting a year, two years, three years into your business. Why? Because if you do an equity partner, bringing in somebody middle ways through and all of this work you've done. What if the following month you make a million dollars? That equity partner is going to take a large percentage of that. Okay, mm-hmm. of that. And then they haven't done the work to get there. But if you start in the beginning and you both are exchanging ideas, it'll be a lot easier. You also have a range of perspective there rather than having to figure thing out, everything out on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, build a board out, a board of, of people who are strong in the areas where you have weaknesses. That could be marketing. That could be sales. That could be um, prospecting. That could be anything. That could be writing up your contracts, bringing those team of people on your board who can advise you and who help you work those things out. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing that we often skip over is making sure that we are being authentic in our business. Another issue I had because I had spent so long, I spent over 17 years as an HR representative in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. And so There was a lot of me that I was hiding. Yes, I got to the point where I was wearing my natural hair out, but it took a lot for me to do that little bit. Mm. It took a lot out of me to do that. And when I did it, I was free. Um, That's not to say that I have to be natural all the time. I wear weaves, I wear braids, I wear my coils out, but we need to always practice. Go ahead and being your authentic and true self in your business. People are attracted to that. People Mm. are just naturally drawn to it. And what a shame it would be for you to get all the way to where you want to be in your business. You become a billionaire, you become super successful, and you're not able to be who you are in right. your business. That it's was like you're a prisoner in your own home. Right, right, right. No, we can't have that. That's good advice. Uh, and last point on um, the corporate world the Trump administration. And I think it's only applying to the public sector at this time, but eradicating diversity training. Uh, and I think trainings that include prevention of sexual harassment, uh, discrimination. You like, see my face. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? Like, I just want to know your uh, your brief thoughts around that. Like, I know you can't change somebody's heart. But you need things in place that can ensure that people are getting a fair shake of the stick. Like, come on. What's your thoughts? I think that goes back to the question about the diversity, equity and inclusion. Um, But in this case, and I typically don't like to give uh, the person in the White House any light. But in this case, 
uh, I will speak on the on that on that what he said. I believe it would do more harm than good to the economy, the American economy, than anything. Why? Because of our diversity we have right now. Why? Because of the mindset we have right now. This is the melting pot. You can't change that. And like you said, you can't change the heart of a person. But you can you can just like um, Goldman and Sachs is doing. Is that the company? Yeah. yeah. They are forcing these large corporations to level up with diversity. But like I said, the diversity and inclusion initiative has a very long way to go. You have to get beyond the fold of people just doing it because you asked them to do it. You have mm-hmm. to get into their psyche and really make them think about what it means to be in a certain group or have certain privileges. Right. I hope that makes sense. But that's yeah. really all I can add to that. I, I, I think it's possible. Of course, he, he's the president of the United States. But at the same time, it would do more harm than good to, to this country. Yeah. And he's an expert in doing harm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to close out uh, on a personal note. Um, like uh, I, I've been seeing a lot lately. You know, you have your situations like, uh, for example, uh, the Meg the Stallion and Tory Lane situation. So from there, you see a lot of uh, posts and. People speaking out that black women feel unprotected, especially by the black men that mm-hmm. should be the primary ones protecting them. Um, I want to know how you feel about that personally. Do you agree with that sentiment? Uh, and why is that? And what can we do to kind of correct that? Sometimes I feel like people take situations that a celebrity is involved in and kind of do a general blanket statement over the entire gender of black men all us not like that i i realize not all are like that i was raised by a very present um and excellent black father i have amazing black brothers black uncles mm-hmm. the men in my family i i applaud them because I, I respect them so much for the position the roles that they have played in my life and the lives of many others throughout my family um everyone within my family but when it comes to being a black woman navigating the world, you do, in my opinion, based off my experience also, you do run into black men who have no respect, who will call you out of your name, um, who will just, t- I've had, <laughs> I had a black man one time in conversation. I was sitting at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I was waiting on a friend and he turned around and he spoke to me. I spoke back. That's what I do <laughs> as a person. <laughs> and in his speaking back, I guess he thought that there was some type of flirtation or something going on. And his response was, oh, I don't date black women. What? <laughs> and unfortunately, that was my first year here in Texas. Mm. Yeah. So I've experienced little Aggressions like that. Mm-hmm. I have heard black men say that they don't date black women. They won't deal with black women or, you know, you have black men who date outside of their race. And I have absolutely no problem with that at all. Right. Um, but my thing is, if you date outside of your race, 
Don't do it because you hate your community. Don't right. do it because you have something against a black woman who may have hurt you or you have something against your mother. Do it because you truly want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, I, I do believe that there are some, some keywords, some black men out there who really, really make you feel unprotected around them that are very disrespectful. Um, they don't value, there's some women, the men that don't value women. And right. how I grew up and how I was raised by black men was a man will treat you how you act, but at the same time, if he's a gentleman, he's going to treat you as a lady no matter what. No matter what, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've run into I've run into some strange situations with different people that I don't know personally and that I do know personally who are just like against black women and and would try to do harm to black women. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, but I can't say that that's all black men. I really honestly cannot. Because nah. I come from I come from good black men. I know good black men. I'm friends with good black men yourself. Right, <laughs> you right, know? Right, right. So I think it I think it's a double edged sword, but I definitely believe that our black men need to the ones who are who do care. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a space, an opportunity there for you to step up and start to educate, especially the younger generation, because the ones that are out there and they are younger and older, um, mm-hmm. they learned it from somewhere. They learned it from the men who are in their communities and the men right. who are out there teaching them. Right. It's just like the value of marriage in our community, I think, mm-hmm. is different than any other community. I'm not married. But in my thoughts about that, I think that our men value marriage differently than other groups of men. Mm. And a good way or bad way. Good way or bad way. Like, I'm trying to see what you. I don't know if it's good or bad, but I will say that. We tend to be single longer for different reasons, but for a lot of the. A lot of it is just kind of like, you know, women can't we can't marry ourselves. And so after in the dating pool, we tend to be single longer a lot of the times because you're running into men who are still out playing like as if they're children Mm. or not Mm. interested in the concept of marriage or they have never witnessed a marriage before. Now, Mm. that has nothing, in my opinion, to do with, you know, coming from a single family or two parent household. It's just it is the opinion of what you've been influenced by. Mm -hmm. Well, That would be my that would be my answer right there. My explanation exactly what you're influenced by. Uh, I don't believe in the excuse of, well, man, I ain't had no example when I was coming up with what a because I was raised by a single black mother, and you know mm-hmm. I love my family. Um, you know I want to be present in my children's lives. I want to be somebody that my wife can rely on. Um, so um, I think it's something that. Now, I do think you can be, like you say, influenced by uh, a situation. If you grew up around guys that don't value women and things like that, it could naturally rub off on you. And some people don't shake that and become mm-hmm. their own person, become their own man. They just continue to follow what they see. So uh, I definitely understand where you're coming from. But I believe that the best thing God created was the black woman, man. Like. <laughs> really, like like them young boys say, no cap, because man, you're strong, uh, reliable. You gonna make it with or without us. Uh, you hold us down. That's why I don't understand how people can just shit on the black woman the way they do. I think it's the uh, type of woman they're choosing, regardless of which race that is. 
Mm-hmm. Like a woman you choose and has a lot to do with why you think the way you think. Because most of the women I've dated have been quality women, classy women, educated, ambitious. So, I mean. And look, it, it goes both ways because you have women out there who are not ready to settle, who don't want to settle, who may not be so great for the person that they're dating. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not putting the onus just on the black man. It's on the it's on the black woman as well. But mm-hmm. I'm giving you my thought as a black woman. Um, mm-hmm. I you know I know some really excellent guys, and you know we're not gonna go into my little situation. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, people will ask me why are you single? It's, it's because if you're not ready, you're not ready. But at the same time, it's a desire. Um, but for me. I have to be with the right person at the right time. And because of my mindset or my mentality around building together rather than just being in a relationship, I have to have someone who understands that I Mm. want somebody to build with, not just jump into a marriage just because we we talking about the love thing, but build with you, grow with you. You pour into me and I pour into you. Mm. And you don't hear a lot of that these days. I'm so glad you say that. So you're definitely the prize, and uh, he out there waiting for you, looking for you. He just ain't came across you yet. Uh, (laughs) Meredith Ward, I thank you so much, Queen, for joining us. Uh, We've been talking a minute. I ain't no time got away from us like that. Um, I know you're a busy woman, and uh, but I I just want to ask one last question on a personal side, Uh, and it's still going back to the black woman, but just black people in general. Will we ever see justice in our lifetime? Will we ever see our race appreciated and valued uh, as something other than a second class citizen? I say that in reference to uh, Breonna Taylor, like uh, from George Floyd to Ahmaud Arbery to Breonna Taylor to the names are countless. Like there's there's always it seems like they can trade our life for a check. And we should be straight with that. But I just mm. want to know how you feel about pretty much. I know there's still some things that are in the air with the case, but pretty much no one being held accountable for her death. And it's the second time officers have come into the home of someone, the wrong person, and killed them. Uh, and we still can't get justice behind that. So how does that make you feel as a black woman uh, in America? How does it make me feel? Um, let me ask you, answer your first question. Will we ever be valued? No one is going to value us like us. Mm. No one is going to value their home, your home like you. Mm-hmm. And so we have to value ourselves and work on how we value ourselves um, before we can really, really, really be so concerned about everybody else valuing us. Um, As far as the way I feel about those cases, they're unfortunate. They should have never occurred. Um, When Breonna Taylor's mom said after the grand jury, decision came down. Even in her speech, when she was crying and she was trying to express herself and she's like, I don't want to come off as an angry black woman, but I am. She has every right to be. Right. right. What woman in the world has to think about that, though? 
Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that justice should and is going to be served on her case. And in the case of the many others that have lost their lives, whether they came into the home shooting without, because we have the castle rights. So it should have never occurred. Right, right, right. But I believe that in all of these cases that that God will prevail. Yeah, I believe the same. It will rise. Um, I just continue to pray for y'all. I pray for us and just the world. Mm-hmm. You know. But we thank you, Queen. Uh, how can my kin folks, my audience, follow you? Reach out, find more, become a um, client, all that good stuff. Well, first, I want to say thank you for inviting me on. This is an excellent platform for those of us who are emerging uh, entrepreneurs and those of us who are in the corporate world. Your your interviews are getting better and better by the day. <laughs> um, so I uh, thank you for that, uh, for offering this and thank you for inviting me on. But I just want to let everybody know that here soon before the end of the year. I will be offering automated leadership coaching and development courses, and I focus on five components that are most critical in the soft skills department for helping us to elevate into the level of influence and authority that we're looking for in okay. the as we rise through the ranks of corporate leadership. And it also is very important for those of us who are entrepreneurs if we plan on growing and scaling our companies. Those are influence, emotional intelligence, and awareness, um, the ability to negotiate not only our salary, but our business deals okay. or terms. Um, it is conflict resolution and my favorite, which is consulting. And so be on the lookout for that. I'll offer those in an automated form right now. I do provide those courses, but they're in a one-on-one setting. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying to grow and expand myself. But outside of that, if you want to get in contact with me, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook, or via email. My email address is I, I'm sorry, info at INC Career Consulting, info at INC Career Consulting. And it's at In Charge Career Consulting on Instagram. Uh, I can be found on Facebook or you can find me on LinkedIn. In Charge that Career is. Consulting. That is. Y'all go follow, support. Hey, and uh, tell me about She's In Charge. So she, oh, yeah, I forgot about the YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. She is in charge is new. Um, it's something that I've been wanting to do for a while. I've been trying to figure out how to get the message out there and how to also highlight other women um, and possibly other men. But um, the tagline of my business is to provoke, empower, and educate. And the provoking piece is to provoke you to take action in your career and business. The, um, the empowerment piece is to help me give light, shine light on other entrepreneurs and leaders. Uh, in the corporate world and to also educate you through my experiences and um, on both sides of the hiring desk. And so with In Charge, uh, she is in charge on the YouTube channel. It allows women to come together mm-hmm. to share our thoughts, our perspective, our experiences on what it is to be a corporate leader and what it is to be an entrepreneur. Um, it's also a resource for uh, free strategies and tools. Um, and other information on there that you can utilize. It's I just posted a video on there. And so I'm um, hopefully that it will grow to millions and billions of people following. But yes, you can follow. She is in charge on YouTube. Go ahead and subscribe today. I have many more interviews coming. I will also be on there just offering you advice about how to move through the corporate world and also how to move through the entrepreneurial world as well. There it is. Y'all check it out. Girl, you want it. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> 
I appreciate you coming on. Key to the City Podcast. We had excellent conversation today, man. Y'all go follow this queen, man. See what she got going on. Uh, she definitely doing her thing, man. And uh, she's a perfect role model for young women of all ages. So proud of her. And uh, we're going to continue to support you. We love you here at Key to the City. Anything you need from me, uh, you know, you just a phone call, text, email away. And uh, let's continue to grow together. And um, just keep doing your thing. Everybody go out there, like, support, share, comment, and uh, lift her up. we got to lift each other up. Um, but, yeah, she is the Queen Meredith Ward. I am your host, your Kim Fogioni. This is Key to the City Podcast. We out. Peace and blessing. One.